Is this mic turned on? Wax poetic. Hi, kids. I'm a dinosaur hunter BMX rider. Long division sure comes in handy. All the little girls dream of one day biting into a corn dog and smiling at the camera. If I ran the web, you could email dead people. Wax poetic. Just say no to family values. In the terrarium is herpes. Herpes is a hermit crab. And I don't give a moment's focus to who does or doesn't like the sound of my voice. This is Wax Poetic on Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM. So what if I write a poem like a song? Good afternoon and welcome to Wax Poetic here on Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM. I'm one of your co-hosts today, R.C. Weslowski. I'm your other co-host, Kevin Spence, and in the studio this afternoon, we have our guest, Lindy Nolte. Hi, thanks for having me. Oh, you're so soft-spoken. Oh, yeah, well, try a little harder then. (laughs) Welcome. Thank you. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Uh, we were discussing before the show when uh, the last time you were here, we were guessing maybe like three and a bit years. Yeah, time seems to speed up as I get older. So I don't know, somewhere around there. Okay. Well, we'll get you to kick things off with a uh, poem as we like to have happen. Sounds good. Hi, it's nice to meet you. My name is Lindy. It's nice to meet you. Oh, hi. Hi, it's nice, hi, to, meet nice to meet you. <laughs> My name is Lindy. People often ask me if that's short for something. If it's spelled with an E or a Y, to which I reply, actually, it's, it's an I and no. I am not an abbreviation. I'm the full word, as misspelled as I might seem. I am neon graffiti, desperately trying to leave my mark just to prove that I was here. But sometimes, I'm the girl in the corner. Convinced she belongs there. Chewing on the wrong side of her pen, swallowing ink, hoping when she spits these words they might have a permanent effect on you. And other times I feel like nothing more than a hat hanging on a wall, serving no purpose at all. Or else a handkerchief in a gentleman's pocket, always being folded to fit into spaces others place me in. But I wasn't always like this. See, I didn't always fly so recklessly into storms, but I've learned to break clocks, that tick-tock, tick-tock, talking behind my back, convincing me that time is running out on me, so I run away first. I am always running, afraid. If I stand still, I might drop, and if I do, I won't be big enough to create a ripple, but some days I can tolerate the sound of my own echo, and those days every poet knows are good days. I am a door, the kind that is slow to open, quick to lock. I have a hard time letting people in, an even harder time letting them go, because when I love, my hands become starfish, and I'll suction onto your surface. I will hold on long enough to call you home. But I am not a stapler or a wall. I cannot hold it all together all the time, so I let myself unravel, come undone like a half-sewn button, topple like Jenga blocks, just so I can rebuild myself tall enough to look in the mirror and say, my name is Lindy, and I have every right to be here. Nice. Good start. Thanks. Very nice. And for those of you listening at home or in your car, uh, that was enti- that was done entirely from memory, just so you know out there. So it was a very impressive kind of performance to, to come just out of memory. 
Thank you. I actually recently realized that one of my favorite parts about spoken word is the memorization of the poem. I find it just exhilarating that once you have it in your head, no matter what you do, it basically can't shake. <laughs> Sometimes I find I'll just be driving or I'll be somewhere and this poem just sort of streams through my head again. I'm like, wow, that is just in there. No matter what I do, it's part of my kind of fiber. And I find that in that sense, there's a lot of freedom there than when you get to perform. Um, this is also a really cool environment to perform in because we're just hanging out and <laughs> you're just sitting here and it's it's a strange audience, but I like it. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't mean the people well, are strange. Poetic, a strange I mean audience. Strange. I, was, I was going to say whether we're uh, in a small audience or a big audience, it'll probably be strange with us there anyway. <laughs> hey, I'm curious to know where do you memorize your poems? in my bedroom in front of some pillows that I set up as mm. if they're an audience member. They're quite stoic, but I enjoy that. Uh, they don't give many opinions. I don't have any stuffed uh. animals anymore, but I, uh, I do have this one painting where there's um, there's like a small Buddha in the corner. And I mean, just straight face every time, you know? So it, it kind of helps me to know that the audience is just, just quiet in the beginning because you never know with yeah. audiences what's yeah. going to happen. What are your uh, skills then, or what are your muscles or your practices that you do mm. for memorization? Mm. It's interesting because half of my writing process is actually the speaking of it. So I know that a lot of poets go to the page first. I actually, I actually go to the spoken first. Um, so when I when I speak my poems, therein I I begin to edit and sort of change my my poetry. But one of the things I really like to do is to just break it up, I guess into stanzas is the closest way I could put it. Um, but then it always feels to me that there will be a part that sticks, like a part that gets really icky or sticky that I can't quite get through. Mm -hmm. And so then I'll focus on that and I'll just run it like 10, 15, 20, 30 times, kind of like doing jumping jacks, if you will. Um, and so I really do almost look at it as if I'm exercising. And it, it's not the funnest part is like it's it's running it is really hard but once you have that down the memorization of it to me is just awesome mm -hmm. yeah. do you find as writing it you memorize it as well like it, that you know often yeah it's because it's visual you i can see where i've placed the words on the page mm -hmm. when i'm doing the memorization so sometimes when a word doesn't seem to come out i wonder if i can just change it by putting it on the next line and then just being able to say, see that on the page it then somehow is easier for me to recall it's a strange process but I really enjoy it hmm. yeah very cool and what strikes me as um, wonderfully wild about that poem was the cornucopia of metaphor mm. that that came out of it you're, you're not a handkerchief your door mm. uh, this uh, that and it was just wonderful to kind of see you know, the change and uh, morphing of all these different images. Mm -hmm. Could you tell us a little bit about your process of metaphor? Mm -hmm. Like, where does metaphor come for, come yeah. for you? Um, it's, no, it's a great, no, it's a great question. I think one of the things about when I'm writing, it's so visual for me. Uh -huh. So unless I can see what it is that I'm talking about, I can't write it. Mm -hmm. So for me, the first thing that comes is, you know, I'll, I'll have a feeling and then somehow that feeling will translate into something that I've seen before. Mm -hmm. And then somehow I try to bridge the gap there by making a metaphor. Sometimes it, it, do, it just doesn't work. I, I, it goes completely off the wayside. But I, 
for the most part, that's where my metaphors come from. And I recently started reading uh, Tom Robbins, who mm. is just the king of metaphor. Oh, and oh, it's yeah. really kind of changed my perspective on how just epic a, a metaphor can be. So I'm excited to kind of dive into that into the next few months to see how far I can take it. Because hmm. he's almost... He's almost self-indulgent with it to the, you know, it gets so intense for, for him that, but it's pages and pages of metaphor and I just love it. And which, which book is that? Or um, so I re- I read Jitterbug Perfume first, um, and then Roadside Attractions, my next, next one, but I'm reading, uh, Half Asleep in Fall <coughs> Pajamas right now, which is really fun. Yeah. I highly recommend him. Cool. Uh, being a visual uh, or inspired by visual visuals in your writing are you inspired by paintings and movies and television as as a uh, as a source of inspiration absolutely sometimes i just like to take my um my notebook or my journal and i like to take like watch a movie or even listen to music and whenever there's an image that comes up i'll sketch it Mm -hmm. in a way Mm -hmm. um so i'm a terrible drawer it's i'm just the worst i can't even draw stick figures but i like the idea of doodling and sometimes through that words will come out or, or whatever else but um yeah i take a lot of photos and from photos I I can start to sort of come up with ideas for poems, um, and and that really helps me to sort of I guess yeah come up with the core of what it is that I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. There's a uh, really interesting and uh, great uh, poetry series that happens at the uh, Jewish Art Gallery mm. uh, every three or four months, uh, run by Pandora's Collective and oh, Bonnie awesome. Nish, and basically they have she asks poets to uh, come in, and uh, there's a new uh, art display or series and uh you walk in and you just walk Mm. around you hang out and you one painting attracts you or one other one and then you write something and then you know uh, a month later is the reading um but i i'm gonna recommend bonnie get in touch with you Yeah, yeah please do i um it's funny that you bring this up maybe serendipitous but today um i was teaching and the students have to do what's called a picture poem today and so they have to write a poem and then draw a picture or take a photo or do something visual to accompany it and for many of the students i recommended that they start with the picture because they were sitting there you know and you just see them kind of like hoping that something will come out of the ether and just drop onto their page and and become a poem and i was like no why don't you just begin by drawing or doodling or seeing something and then maybe extracting words from there from that source and for some of them that really helped their process so i wonder sometimes if if approaching something from uh from the words versus getting to the picture first just it's a different process for different people mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. judith coppathorn is a vancouver poet she's mm-hmm. been writing since the 60s mm-hmm. and she does a lot of concrete poetry mm-hmm. and you see her playing with the line as it kind of writes a word and then it kind of goes into some sort of a doodle um yeah i find her work really well it's under appreciated mm-hmm. for sure but it's it's amazing it's really something else i'll have to look it up and and look more into it because it's funny when you f- when you start noticing things you've never done before creatively like painting or like drawing which is what i'm i'm doing now um but trying to see how i can bridge the gap between that and poetry and seeing whether or not i can kind of uh, mesh the two yeah. and i came up with something recently that it sounds very trite and forgive it but it's I called it poetry, which is P H O E T R Y, and it's basically I, ta- I, I like take it. photographs and then I write poems over them. Yeah. Um, 
And now my family is like, hey, we, we want those. And so now I have like gifts for everyone's birthdays forever, you know? But I'm finding that practice to be a lot of fun because I'm not starting with a blank page, which can very often be intimidating. Mm-hmm. And so I like that there's color all of a sudden, there's already story in a picture. Mm-hmm. And also they can just be really silly sometimes, mm-hmm. which I like. I, and, and puns are great. Puns are great, yeah. right? Um, it's yeah. Vietnamese soup is pho as well so there's another opportunity I mean, take a picture of pho and then there's your another layer of poetry another layer of poetry i actually <laughs> learned that it's, it's pho pho it is not pho. pho yeah it's pho. spelt the pho though the way yeah, I, yeah yes. no I, I i was like pho 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 all the time and then i made a pho pa because it's actually a pho so it's a pho pa um but uh, yeah, I am, I am learned, more learned now, a little bit around that. Uh, could I mispronounce another foreign word sure. for, for you two? Um, scarabocchia, which is doodle in Italian, which I only learned today. Beautiful. And I was like, what is this word? Scarabocchia. And it's scarab, like beetle. Wow. So it's, there's a metaphor How of like the movement. How do you know that you mispronounce yeah. that? Oh, I'm sure. I, I'm just assuming I'm, oh. I'm mispronouncing <laughs> it. I'm sure. <laughs> Regardless, it's a beautiful word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I just found it, well, one of my new favorite words, one of my new favorite words is uh, the word petrichor. And it's new just because there's this guy who on YouTube has started this thing called the obscure, no, the Dictionary of Obscure Sorrows. If you have not seen it yet, it's brilliant. And um, the word petrichor actually means, it's, it's the experience of smelling rain after it's fallen on earth, oh, on the earth. Yeah. So everyone, ha- that's a human experience, right? That we've all had. And so what essentially what this writer does is he started coming up with new words to, es- to essentially um, explain new human experiences. And that's one of them, um, petrichor. I've seen a couple nice. of those videos yeah. and they're, some of them are just oh. really, really moving because they're beautifully you know, they're, done. They're, you know, they go right to your mm-hmm. sort of uh, this is us kind mm-hmm. of sentiment, mm-hmm. sentimental thing. But they're also kind of uh, kind of nice, too. Cool. Yeah. Uh, let's have another poem. Sure. Mm-hmm. Our guest today is Lindy Nolte here on Wax Poetic on Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM. And yeah, we'll have another poem from Lindy. There's a photo of us in a frame on our bedside table. Last night you said, it looks faded. It is morning when I realize you will leave me by evening. You're on your side of the bed facing the wall, I'm on my side facing the ceiling, neither of us facing the truth. Mm. Both searching for an answer somewhere in the abyss of the white plaster. And this is the first time I've laid beside you and wished time would pass faster. You sigh, the bed moves, and I will never forget the first time I was moved by you. We were lying in the grass, staring at the stars, laughing at the possibility of one day moving to Mars. We argued about what we would pack, see, couldn't agree on the snack, but both decided, no matter what planet, toothpaste would always be necessary. And then we talked about Earth and what it is that we'd miss. You said gravity, I said the rain, and then we kissed. And my hair got stuck on your shirt button, and you said sometimes Cupid doesn't use arrows, he uses glue, and my God, I think I'm stuck on you. (laughs) (laughs) And you said our love is like Haley's Comet. It only comes around once in a lifetime, twice if you're extremely lucky. But you do not believe in luck or destiny, yet somehow we both agree that it must be. And I wonder... Will you miss me? 
And without warning, my body starts convulsing and my eyes start spilling every word my mouth cannot form, but my stomach can no longer hold. And for the first time, you do not reach out to console me. There are moments in life when we realize the best things are ending and no matter how hard we try to stop them from happening, this damned world just keeps on spinning on exactly the right axis at exactly the right distance from the sun to keep it from both burning and freezing. But as you leave my bed, I feel my world shift on its axis and the temperature's already changing and surely I will turn to crystal soon and crack and break and shatter and melt away into a universe that doesn't give a damn if I exist and all I want to be is a black black hole to swallow you whole to take without asking because i know if i ask you to stay you will but still you will not be able to fill this black hole inside me so i let you leave and as you close the door behind you i think about the moon i think about the moon and how it's moving away from the earth at a rate of two inches per year that's a true story mm-hmm. two inches per year where's it going Who knows? It's happening so slowly, we hardly know it's happening. I wonder how long you've been moving away from me without me noticing. Mm. I wonder at what point we'll look up to the dark night sky, devastated, know the moon exists out there somewhere without us. Perhaps this is the best and the worst part about love. It never really ends. It just sort of fades, like a photo in a frame on our bedside table. Yeah. Wow. I like that back and forth in the middle of the poem. (laughs) Yeah, that's good. You're right, yeah. Yeah. I like that, actually. Mm. I like it when an audience interacts with me while I'm performing. It keeps you on your toes, too. Yeah. So I don't go to a lot of spoken poetry events. I'm more mm. of the, like, on the other side of things, mm. uh, the page poetry kind of mm. world. The but dark side of the moon. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, in our, in our silence and darkness. Um, but I think Shakespeare, mm. I think Shakespeare, when I hear a lot of spoken word, mm. and I think of the, um, the powerful kind of metaphors, the, 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 the size mm-hmm. of the metaphors, that ambition of like the moon and these mm-hmm. big things and that um, exp- expression of emotion. Um, and then also even the call and the response. I mean, in Shakespeare's time, mm-hmm. people were like, you know, the, you know pen, the penny seats or whatever. Yeah. They were like shutting things. I don't know. And do you read Shakespeare? Do you teach Shakespeare? Do you I feel d- there's some kind of a yeah, crossover? Yeah, absolutely. I teach Shakespeare. Shakespeare. In fact, it, at this point, there's actually, there's quite a big conversation about whether or not we should be teaching Shakespeare in schools, which is concerning for me that that's something that we but fair enough there's a lot of poetry we can be teaching um but there's something about the theatrics of spoken word that has always resonated with me Mm -hmm. which is why i got into it because i i always felt that acting was something that i loved doing Mm -hmm. and writing was something that i loved doing but somehow they were always separate and i was always performing other people's writing and so when i first came to spoken word the idea that i could write something and then perform it without necessarily having to be in a theater production company mm-hmm. was really appealing and so when i go into schools now and i talk to kids about spoken word i really almost leave it as spoken word as opposed to poetry because the poetry word first of all scares them 
<laughs> but second of all, because spoken word is so unique in terms of its emotional expression when it's said out loud, mm -hmm. I feel like it deserves its own category. Mm -hmm. And that's what I love so deeply about it is that it is uniquely its own thing. And I, I, guess, I've, I guess I've always been a performer and the dramatization of, of poetry is really fun. And when kids get into it too, I can see, I can see that they're longing for a space or even a platform where they can communicate emotions because we just don't do that very often. And I think too, with some youth, it's that, you know, their, their writing skills might not be that mm -hmm. strong, but if they've even gotten, uh, gotten, they've written something that uh, is, you know, mildly articulate, but they get up and share that, the impact of them revealing something about themselves to others mm -hmm. um, is really powerful. And then you can work on the, mm -hmm. the writing skills mm -hmm. and stuff like that and help them improve in that way. I was a second language learner. Mm -hmm. So Afrikaans is my first language. And so for me, I've never really felt that confident in necessarily in my writing skills. And so spoken word also came to me at a, at a time when I felt like, you know, great, I'm, I'm able to express myself this way, but I don't have to worry so much about the grammar. It's not, it's not to say that it's not important. It's just that no one's going to see my commas. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I can, I can, I know where they're supposed to be because I have an ear for it, but I don't know in terms of the page. I think it's more, it's very helpful for some students to be able to think, you know, okay, I can, I can do this without be having perfect, yeah. an, a perfect understanding of the language, which yeah. I think is lovely. Not to say that that's not important and we should teach that, but it's, it's, it's a more accessible form, I think. Mm -hmm. it's, yeah, it's an access point. And then, you, like I said, you can work on all the other stuff. Later yeah. On. Is there any limitation in terms of um, the voices that somebody can bring to the stage? Um, I just wonder, uh, you know, again, from the other side, you know, you write a poem and you take on a different persona, you know, Robert Browning or somebody, and he writes these poems from other people's points of view. He creates all these mm -hmm. characters, dram dramatis persona or whatever. And I wonder with spoken word, how does that work? And does every poem have to be kind of from your heart? Or can you create like, you know, here's the poem of the cigarette. But It's a great question. And in the beginning, I had a very limited understanding, I think, of what spoken word could be. And watching someone like RC even break those conventions is very inspiring because I realized when I was first starting out, I was trying really hard to just fit the what, what you need to be as a spoken word poet. And since then, I have really taken the, I guess, the creative license of not writing from my own perspective, not writing from my own experience, and really just trying to think of more creative ways to, uh, to use language in a, spoken, in a spoken way. But what you're asking in terms of writing, let's say, from a, an object's point of view, definitely. I think it's just not as commonly done. And so I think there is room for the art form to really grow, which is what's exciting about it is that I'm really starting to see a surgence of people really enjoying uh, the possibilities of what spoken word can be. I'm just hoping that we can really like fuel that fire of being able to push boundaries. Persona poems are a, um, a thing in the well, the poetry slam and spoken mm -hmm. word community. Uh, Patricia Smith, one of the early uh, uh, speakers of spoken word slam, uh, it was, that was one of her main things. She would take on uh, persona 
personas in one of her classic ones. It's called Skinhead, mm. and uh, and she's a, a black woman, and so she took on the pers- mm. perspective of a skinhead in jail talking mm. to uh, black people, and it's a powerful, I powerful bet. piece. Mm-hmm. And Johnny McRae in town mm-hmm. does lots mm-hmm. of persona pieces. He's Absolutely. got one from the point of view of HIV or uh, being um, the trees and the forest or the plants and stuff. So it's really, it's definitely, uh, I think one of the things where it gets a little tricky and I think it's in all uh, writing is when you're taking, you're attempting to take on the perspective Mm -hmm. of someone from maybe like a man taking on the voice of a woman or taking on a white guy taking on the voice of a black woman or whatever, trans person or something and trying to do like it, that becomes way more difficult than I don't, you know, whether it should or shouldn't, I don't know, but yeah yeah it's a hard thing because i mean in a way we want art to be able to just do whatever it wants to do you know but at the same time i think i think it's an important thing to bring up to be like there are certain i guess there are certain voices that just that can come from an authentic place in a way that that might be easier to uh yeah to to become the persona of than others i I'm still trying to play around with that though, mm-hmm. seeing seeing ways that we can do that. I recently got into more like storytelling poetry, mm-hmm. which I'm excited to pursue more of as well. And I mean, I also too, there's, you know, maybe it's just we don't do that and just make more spaces for people of those Absolutely. backgrounds to say their stuff instead exactly. of us, you know, taking yeah. us. Yeah. Uh, so we're almost out of time. Can't believe uh, how fast that went. Do you have something like a minute or two minutes long? That oh we could no, I no? don't. <laughs> Um, wait, let me think. Yes, I do. I do. Um, shorter poems. I find shorter poems to be the hardest poems. Um, but I do have one that's okay. basically a minute. Yeah, shall let's we? get a minute poem in there. And this maybe be might have been something that you performed at the Van Slam finals, where you became the uh, 2018 Grand Slam oh, champion. Oh, congratulations! Yes. Thanks. Yeah, it was a very exciting night, and in fact, it is. Good. Let's hear awesome. it. Awesome. The girl did not know how she would rise. She only knew she would. Grandmother said, even if you don't know how to stand, never back down. Even if you don't know how to speak, stay silent no longer. The girl did not know how she would rise. She only knew she would. Grandmother said, even if you don't know where to, where to go, let it be far away from cages. Even if you don't know how to be free, never bend the knee. The girl did not know how she would rise. She only knew she would. Grandmother said, The burden of your dreams will be heavy, but you have strength enough inside that body and your shoulders were built for heavy lifting. The girl did not know how she would rise. She only knew she had seen her grandmothers doing it for generations. And so she did. Across the globe, you can see her rising still, with fists full of love, with a resilient heart, with an unbendable spine, with arms wide enough to salvage the earth. Make no mistake of it, even if she is doing it quietly. The girl, she is rising. Grace. Thank you for being our guest today. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much. Wax Poetic, here on Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM. Quickly, if people want to get in touch with you and you want them to get in touch with you, where can they find you online? Yeah, find me online at lindynolte.com <laughs> and L-I-N-D-I-N-O-L-T-E. You can also find me on Instagram at the same handle. Nice. Great. Thank you for being in studio Thank today. you so much mm-hmm. for listening. Thank you. Really appreciate for it. For having me. Um, I'm R.C. Weslowski. And I'm Kevin Spence. And uh, this has been Wax Poetic. No Apologies Necessary is coming up next. 
You've been listening to Wax Poetic on Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM. So what? So what? So what?